I'm your host, Aaron Jenkins. And on today's show, I almost started this show a little too soon because I literally, I'm kind of like, there's so much to go through and I want to make sure we have time to talk to William Garcia, who is an award-winning producer based in LA and, and he has with a passion for many of the mediums, film and television, um, just to start. But you've also played in music and and, and news and, and all these other elements. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's thank you to being here. It's it's very important for your audience to know that I am always 305 Miami, always. even though I live in LA. Oh, always. That's right. My Mine. my blood is born and raised. Too, born right? And raised. Yeah, yeah. Born and wow. raised. Well, since you started there, let's let's start there. Um, so. You know, how old were you when you, you know, started? Like, where where did you start? Like, how how did where where did the dabblings and the in the in the in the creative things start to creep into you, your body? And and um, how did you like extrapolate that across, like grammar school, high school, those kind of things? Yeah, I, I grew up in Miami. Uh, you know, during the 1980s, uh, that was uh, first first generation MTV, right? I want my yeah. MTV. I that's, remember, that's I where remember I that. Yeah. And, yeah. And where it started was Miami Springs Senior High. That's my high school, mm. Golden Hawks. Uh, you know, I used to walk from Hialeah across the uh, wow. the water treatment plant over the catwalk to school. That was, you know, before I had a car, obviously. <laughs> and and how, how I started was uh, audiovisual uh, class. Now, at that time, they didn't have a television station. You know, oh. you know, usually schools... Yeah. Later on, had like a TV class, you know, used to broadcast and that. No, no, this is like projection, three-quarter inch tapes, playing movies. And what happened was one of my teachers was like, um, hey, you have this still camera around. What, what is all this about? And I said, no, I take pictures on the side. I have a little portfolio. And he asked to see it. And he was like, this is really good. Wow. Why Have you taken a photography class? And I was like, no. And that's where he introduced me to uh, Mr. Farrington, if I remember correctly. Mm. And um, that was it. I started taking stills. And that was the beginning of creativity, photography. Uh, and then that that started the journey. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's what happened. You know, that to me, um, that's a great example of why it's very important for when you're in like grammar school and high school, when you're in the early stages and whatever, for teachers and counselors to get involved with their students, because you never know, man, you just never know where they're going to pick up this thing that becomes who they become later on in life. Absolutely. It always starts with a teacher or a mentor or a friend or a right. parent. Um, it's someone that uh, inspires you. It's someone that says, "Hey, look, this is good. You you should look into this." Mm. And that and that could be in any field. It could be medicine. It could be the arts. Uh, it could be in science. Uh, anything. Uh, and it's very important uh, to inspire young people. Absolutely. Mm. What? So, um, who inspired you around that time? Like, who were some of the? people that you kind of look towards, you know, for inspiration or, you know, wanted to, I, I want to be that guy. I, I, that's the easiest question to answer. I'm a huge Spielberg fan. Oh, there and, you go. 
and for me, it was, come on, E.T., <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep, yep. I, uh, later on, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, yep. For me, it was television, obviously, Battlestar mm. Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, my favorite <laughs> show, yes. Yeah. Reruns. It was all reruns, also mm. a Star Trek. You Star know? Trek, yeah. But um, I got to say that uh, just those wonderful uh, close encounters and films that uh, Spielberg worked on uh, and Jaws and all that, that was my inspiration of I wanted to work in the movies. But here's mm. the thing, though. That was my dream when, like, I want to be a film producer, director. I want to do films. Right. But somehow I had a huge detour because I ended up as a video journalist. So, oh, interesting. So, like, tell me a little bit about that. What, like, what kind of stuff were you doing? Well, what happened was it's like I'm from Miami, the entire industry at that time. Remember, it's now 1982. Graduated to Miami Vice time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, wow, California is a really long, long way. I didn't have any money for for college, you know. My you know, we're we're a first generation Latino family. You know, my family is working hard trying to make a living, check, you know, paycheck by paycheck. So there was no funding to go to UCLA. Mm. And and I had an opportunity. Uh, to go and work at uh, the Wometco television station, which was WTVJ. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So I was taking, um, let me see, my degree was an associate in science at Miami-Dade College mm. uh, for radio and television broadcasting technology. That was, <laughs> okay. the, that was the name of it. Uh, and then I'm like, well, let me go get a job while I'm at school. So I approached the local television station and said, hey, do you need a job, someone, you know, wiping the floor? Just, you know, remember, right. this, is a whole, this is a different time. You right. walked into the television station that had a human resources yeah. department, and you would fill out an application. There yeah. was no internet. <laughs> yeah, there was no <laughs> internet. You dropped off resumes. <laughs> that's right. And so that's how it started. I applied for a janitor's job, and um, I was there, like, a couple times. Every other week, I would wow. show up. Hey, you have something, you have something. And the human resource person said, look, if you don't come here anymore, <laughs> don't bother me. Okay. We have a sound mixers training program in the news department. Hmm. Okay. And I promise you, I will give you a call and I'll give you that job. And they did. Yeah. That person called me up. Persistence. Yeah, called me up. And uh, the next thing you know, I was a sound mixer trainee <laughs> teaching the professor at the school of oh, like no. what you're teaching is outdated. I'm not joking. Uh, he hated me because I, <laughs> I was like, hey, they don't do that anymore. We're using this camera. Or we're using this mic. Or we're doing. Yeah. So it was kind of a challenge for for the professors at Miami Dade at the time. Mm, well, I mean. There's no internet, so I mean that was kind of it, right? That was the only way some individuals, some some companies, some departments even knew things were being innovated is if whoever they happened to have hired was up to date and said, "Hey, you know, this is kind of old school. You mind if I kind of 
tweak this a little bit? Because this is a, this is you know two years behind schedule. Yeah, absolutely. You would look at the textbooks, and you're like, uh, they're not using this anymore. You know, we're we're now shooting. Well, at that time, it was three quarter inch umatic tape. Mm. Uh, so it's this big monster dinosaur that you would strap to the side of your body carrying this this it's a deck you know a wow. three-quarter inch deck and that's how i started as a sound mixer at a tv station and then worked my way up uh wow. you know and then i ended up shooting uh went to west palm beach uh then after that went back to uh tampa you know started filming there news specials uh you know sports uh, right. anything i can get my you know, hands on uh and then returned back to miami in the uh production department wow. uh, so that's kind of like my television career now i did end up hmm. working for the networks also uh so for nbc as a sound guy wow. uh, that was a small time there and also as as a shooter uh freelancing for for different networks which is i mean for for anyone that doesn't understand the transfer like your 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 movement is kind of unusual like because you don't get like not unusual for now but like unusual for that point in time because you know it it really was a separated world television and audio and 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 film it was pretty cut and dry like if you worked in film you worked in film and to the point where like today it's not like it's unusual it's not unusual anymore like you you got you have guys regardless of whether they're working in front of the or behind the camera they're crossing back and forth they're doing music videos they're doing radio they you know they they can mix and match but for you that must have been very interesting because it was you're you're going f from two very different indus uh, industries and then you may I guess the the next move, which would be the film, and I'm really curious how that worked because television and film, I mean, it's only been what 25, 30 years or so between the real like like uh like convergence of the two of sorts. Um, how's that? How did that work for you? Well, I mean, first of all, working for television news and for the networks, when you're working for news and sports, uh, you have, you know, a sound mixer, camera department, and that's pretty much it. It's it's pretty, I don't want to say it's simple, but, you know, your crew size is usually right. a couple of people. Now, again, for when you're shooting with 2020 or a larger show, which I, I used to shoot for sometimes. Right. Then it's a bigger crew because, and then you have gaffer lighting and everything. Right, right, right. The technology though has changed. You have to remember we're talking now the late uh, by that time it's like late eighties, nineties, right. early two thousand. You know, and you know technology wasn't where it is right now that right. anyone can shoot. But my transition of how I went from being a DP to and then a line producer and now an executive producer producer and director mm. is very unusual because most dps directors of photography don't end up producing yeah that's they don't. That's, that's usually uncommon right. um, but my my road was i worked news did all the work there then i started getting jobs for reality shows so and then mm. my next step was 
uh, MTV, uh, Real World Miami, and uh, making the video. You know, I got a phone call from uh, an executive producer, Billy Rainey, who owned, uh, you know, a production company, had a deal with MTV. The next mm. thing you know, I'm shooting MTV, making the video, shooting all <laughs> these music videos. And then that put me in connection with musicians and artists. Then I started shooting and producing music videos for like different artists and electronic press kits. And then from there, I started shooting and then independent features and then narrative series for like studios uh, as either a producer, line producer. Right. So it was, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done a, quite a bit from all the way from news to and then reality to and then music videos to music promotion and production right. uh, to all of a sudden uh, working on indie films. And it, it's been uh, my career moving from one end to the other. Um, and it was just synergy. Uh, it was God, the universe, whatever you believe in. You know, is the person giving me the work and say, hey, you know what? You're really good. I have this job. I have a job for Food Network. Okay, go work for Food Network. Oh, mm. uh, we got to shoot with Will Ferrell for the Comedy Central. And then I'm I'm working there. And then I get a call for an indie movie called Lauren Cass that we shot mm. in St. Petersburg, Florida. So it's just opportunities, networking, uh, getting out there, putting my name out there like that. People know what I'm doing. Right. And and going after those those opportunities and jobs, that's basically how it happened. Well, it's, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, especially back then, but now too, I suppose, it's very much, it, it's about, like you said, making yourself available, doing the hard work, being persistent, um, being open to different things that you not may not have necessarily had a background in or a history in and just keeping yourself open because you never know who you're going to be working with. Like you saw like in like late eighties, early nineties, all these um, TV and film directors going over to music video, doing a lot of music video stuff or starting there and then getting deals in, in film. And that worked out well for a lot of people because they took a lot of the, actors and, and and crew with them on those projects and those guys are now are still doing stuff today and i think again it comes down to being open to to change and different things and i think that's a great lesson to, to, to tell a lot of young creators no absolutely um it's different now because now yeah. you have youtube yeah you, ha you can create your own website yeah everybody's uh, you can, got you something can, they got something. You got something uh, that you can sell, uh, yeah. something that you can show. Um, it's a little. It's more difficult, but it's easier. And what I mean mm. by that, yes, no answer is, you now have an opportunity to really tell your stories, push your, you know, your visuals, whatever. If you're a DP, a director, your music, and you can just go directly to the consumer directly right. to the person that you want them to look at your work, right? You didn't have that before. Think about it. There was no uh, iPhone that you can shoot your movie with. Mm. Uh, that didn't exist. Uh, you know, if you wanted to shoot something, you either had to shoot it on film at the time, which is, you know, the film cost and, yeah. you know, development, transfer, all that kind of stuff. Now, 
you're walking around with a camera <laughs> that you can create a story and show it. And and there's been deals that have come up that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I was involved in a project called Haters. Mm. And that was a astronauts wanted Sony Entertainment project. And it was distributed by full screen media. That deal. Oh, yeah. Remember that. Yeah. yeah. Keenan and JC, how they got that deal with Sony was they had a YouTube channel and they had a fan base and they did these little low budget uh, video skits right. uh, and they are just, you know, they're out there just showing it. All of a sudden they get an agent, they get a deal. And then they, all of a sudden they have a one season of, of haters. Mm. You know? So that's, you didn't have that opportunity before, which yeah. now you do. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's, I mean, you're walking around in your pocket with a pretty much a production studio, you know, and you can just do any, you know, you can, I always tell people now, like um, when young filmmakers ask me, you know, for advice, I'm like, just create, just don't, don't overthink it all the time because you never know when the next good idea is going to come from, you know, you don't know who's watching it. Um, just be, just be consistent, try to improve whatever skills you have all the time, always be looking to improve if you can, but you know, networking and creating content, those are the two biggest things that you really need to always be doing. So, um, with that said, as a producer, what do you think were some of the challenges? Well, let's go back first. When was the first time you actually started down the road as producer? Well, the reason I became a producer was because I had to. Uh, and, sounds and familiar. I, I, yeah. I, and the reason I had to is because I started getting old. Um, mm. I, I was pretty big with uh, handheld cameras. Uh, you know, I was shooting a lot of reality shows. And that was my bread and butter, you know, right. uh, two kids, wife, you know, you have to make the, the green, pay the mortgage, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. Um, but, and then what happened was I started getting, you know, real shaky, uh, you know, my, my back started, you know, getting a little thing. And I was like, I, I need to figure out something else to, to do. Right. So a lot of my producers who I used to DP for, uh, they were like, you know, they always would, would make a comment like, you know, your department's always organized. You're always ahead of it. You have some great organizational skills. And that's how I flipped over. I was mm. kind of like, well, I'm tired of carrying this camera on my back. Uh, you know, it's after 20 some years of doing that. Um, all of a sudden, I was kind of like, you know what, I can do that job. And I like that job. Mm. And that's when I started line producing unit production management. Uh, and then that was like a movement that just took me straight into uh, producing of what I am doing right now. Yeah, that was yeah. The, the reason for it. Well, if you're a good, uh, like I was talking to a friend of mine about this, maybe like last year or so. And we were like saying, like, if you're, if you are a good line producer, like every, like I always recommend filmmakers who are serious about what they're doing have a good line producer, man, please just, it is, it is so vital to the success of your film in many ways. But if you have a good line producer, you know, that person's a stone's throw away from being a very good producer to have on your side. Um, I mean, especially if they have any connections and, 
and they've done any networking and they and especially if they've been in the industry a long time they've built up a whole bunch of you know street cred that they can kind of leverage but um um produce so as a producer what do you think you like you know going in what were some of the challenges that you had you you came across uh, the biggest challenge for a producer is financing of independent feature films. Mm. So that's that's the number one thing that I had to learn from the ground up. Uh, remember that, you know, my schooling was in radio and television broadcasting, right? It was not uh, a business degree, and it right. was not about financing. So I had to learn, and that's the biggest challenge for independent producers. Now, going back about line producers, Line producers are not involved in your financing. Line right. producers are only in, I mean, their responsibility is for budgeting and overseeing your pre-production and production, and then handing over the project to your post-production supervisor. Right. The line producer usually comes in at the latest port, point of, uh, of development. They, they work for an average of 10 to 15 weeks, depending on, on the job. I mean, a big movie like Star Wars, you're there for a really long time. Forever. But, but yeah. the average m movie, you know, that's like four or five million dollars or so, eh, you're looking at like 10 to 14 weeks of work. Mm. And, then, and then they go away. Now, the producer, uh, that's the executive producer, creative producer, the challenge, financing and independent. Now, mind you, me pitching to Netflix and saying, hey, take a look at this great script. And Netflix saying, yes, we'll finance it. That's great. Yep. That, that's what you want to do. Right. That's the easiest way to get your project funded. Right. But if you're having trouble getting a hold of the Netflix executives or the, you know, Paramount Plus guy that's going to give you the okay to finance your whatever it is, television right. series, which television is a little different, right. uh, you know, narrative series than it is a feature right. um, challenge. It's money, period. Mm. Because if you're good at raising money, like equity and cash, you don't need to know how to produce a movie because you, those people are, no offense, but a line producer, there's a lot of them out there that are looking for work. And there's a lot of creative producers that are like, oh, yeah, if you have the funding for a movie, I'm ready. I'll, I'll go work for you. Now, right. I'm not saying every single one is right. going to do that, but I'm just saying it's a lot easier that you come in and say, hey, I have X amount of funding, and then put the team together. So it's money. So uh, does it make a difference if the, like, like uh, if the filmmakers come in with a pre-raise of some sort of, whether it was through friends and family or crowdfunding, um, does it make it easier? Does it, or it's equally, it's, you know, it's, it's about as equally challenging, I guess. Um, no, I mean, if you have some sort of financing before you start, it is easier hmm. than from scratch. I get phone calls all the time. I have a script. I need money. That's uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to come to somebody and say, I have a script, but I have funding. I'll give you a perfect example, which is um, Leo Leva. Uh, a project was brought to me. Named, uh, the project was The Shift. 
he he was like, I have the script, but I also have some financing. So that all of a sudden makes it a little easier to mm. develop that project. And that movie was made, you know, mm. which is The Shift, which starred Danny Glover. Yep. So the reason that was pushed faster is because not only did the creator of the script have the actual IP, you know, like the script written, yep. but they had some financing attached to it. And I would assume um, that making it even more attractive would be as if you had any um, actors of note attached to the project, or does that even matter? Are you kidding me? Actors <laughs> equal cash. Okay. So if, if, a, if a producer, if let's say this, if a writer called me up right now, and said, I have Sandaya for my movie. Uh oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would be like, are you kidding? That Sandaya equals yeah. your, Here's the check. your, your final. <laughs> right. So so there's certain actors now, all of a sudden, you, you come up with an actor from the 1980s that has yeah. no value. Then there's a that's a whole different that story. That it becomes a little a whole different story, but absolutely if you have these very well-known uh talent but i can tell you right now i've spoken to sandaya's manager mm. she's booked for like over two some years and she only does studio pictures oh i imagine you see what i'm saying because yeah. of of the value it's like her value same thing with the rock oh yeah you're not gonna i mean again now will you send a script to the rock right? Twain Johnson, right? And he loves your story. Somehow he loves your story. He'll get that sucker finance. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. Actors equal financing if you can attach them, but it also depends on who the actors are. Right. Same thing with directors, but it depends the director. Right. I won't, I won't mention names, but I know directors that have made a billion dollars, you know, in the box office, but their name did was not able to attach the type of talent that we were going after. Won't what? mention names. Yep, yep. It because it depends on the genre. Yeah. And it depends on the director. Right. If, if you get a really hot director that's up and coming, that every actor wants to work with. Yeah. yeah. Again, a, a quality up and coming director that everybody wants right. is also a value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, could, I mean, that makes sense because I mean, if you're doing a sci-fi, you know, thriller or something to that nature or whatever. Right. And you've got, I don't know, Sophia Coppola attached or something. Now I love Sophia. I think she is just the bomb, but I wouldn't necessarily think of her as the first person I'd want on a sci-fi thriller. So I might take into consideration that situation. If, if someone's saying to me, Hey, I got this great film. It's a sci-fi. Sophia's attached. I'd be like, yeah, let's think about that. I mean, let me think about it, you know? So. Absolutely. And you have to remember that all filmmakers, no matter at what level of their career have issues with financing. Yeah. When I hear an interview from Martin Scorsese that he's having trouble financing his movies, uh, that's something you really got to think about. 
you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And and also projects. Let's let's go a little bit back, right? I remember George Lucas had a hell of a time trying to finance Red Tail. Oh yeah, I heard that. I, I, I mean, yeah. it, it, really, it was a struggle for him. George Lucas, like that's the dude that yeah that he invented Star Wars. And and when you hear him say, "Hey, uh, you know, it's a challenge to that." It was a challenge to finance this this movie because you have to remember that the individuals that let's talk the studio system and the streamers, mm -hmm. those executives are the ones that are saying yes. They're the executives, the studio heads, the uh, the VPs of development for whether it's a uh, Netflix or HBO Max or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the person that has the power, uh, whether it's by committee, uh, you know, because usually the executives have meetings with other executives. They talk about projects and they say yes or no. Right. I mean, uh, it's just the way that it is. Um, there's a lot of no's in this industry, that's for sure. Uh, but there is also yes. And the more you network, the more your work is out there, you get more opportunities for yes. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so tell me, um, so, you, so you're doing a lot of indie work currently um yes with play world pictures mm -hmm. yeah uh tell me tell me tell me a little bit about the production that you guys are, get, are put together how how do you uh, you know how you guys get together as a team and you know what, like what's your like um your end goal like what what kind of work were you expecting to see yeah absolutely um so i mean play world pictures i started about 2010 mm -hmm. um as a production company, production service company. Um, and the main goal for the production company was to tell um, diverse voice stories. So it's, uh, especially I'm, I'm Cuban, mm -hmm. I'm Latino, I'm married to a Dominicana. So obviously I want to produce those type of films, you know. Uh, the first feature that was actually produced through uh, Playwell Pictures was Samland, uh, as in the sense that we put together, I completed the movie, distributed the movie with uh, Juan Pablo Reyes, uh, Michael Landrian, who was the producer, who's also my brother, uh, and Diego, uh, which again, it's, it's a simple, low-budget feature film. Uh, the production company, you know, took over the job, finished it, distributed it, released it, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a lot of co-productions. So right now we're in co-production of a feature film called Rally Caps, mm. and that stars uh, Judd Hirsch and Amy Smart. Oh, I uh, yeah, I love both of them. And and then Carson Denier, and it's the story of a young boy who loses his father, and he's inspired by a deaf baseball player oh. uh, that he meets at Little League uh, summer camp, uh, and it's a very like family friendly. Uh, it's not really, a, it is a, it is a baseball story, but it's not, it's a right. coming of age, uh, you know, dealing with uh, individuals and people's um, feelings of going through a loss and also working with a certain disability. Mm. Um, and that's our next project, but and that's a co-production with other production companies that we put the entire financing and producers together to, to get the film out. 
Wow. So that's an example of what we're doing right now. We're in development of a Latino romantic comedy called Online with Love. I'm waiting to hear a yes from Paramount Plus. We'll we'll see. Uh, there's a come on of, Paramount uh, Plus. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm also waiting to hear back from a couple of other production companies and studios that have been pitched a project. The project was at Lionsgate. Um, but unfortunately, the pandemic happened in 2020, mm. and well, we all know about that. I won't talk too much about that because it's a nightmare no. of like over two years. Uh, but those are the type of projects. We also just purchased the story rights for The Maids of Havana, oh. and that's another project that we're in development. Uh, and I've brought back the team from Samland uh, to produce that indie film. We're also shopping a television series, a narrative series for for the book, which is because the, the Mace of mm. Van is based on a book. I, you know, um, what's so cool is over the last maybe, I'd say four or five years, with a real emphasis of maybe the last two years, we started to see all of these different, um, all this, this new and diverse content has been created. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Black, disabled, transgender. I mean, it's all on the table. And this is a special time. This is, I think, a great time um, to, to like dust off some of those projects that, you know, we, we thought would be a little bit more challenging to try to get funding for, or there would be an audience for and, and get them out there because there's some wonderful stories being told. It's great that you guys are like are taking up this challenge to kind of get more um, diverse um, content out there in the world. Oh, ab absolutely. And what my concern is that Hollywood has a tendency of wanting to run with the flavor of the month. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm kind of like, okay, yes, uh, it's very positive. Yeah. You know, sh look at Shondaland. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her her company has exploded. Macro, that's yep. another one. Yeah, Macro, oh my God, yeah. You know, they're exploding, right? And that's all diversity. Yep. A look exactly, Father of the Bride on HBO Max. Yep. It blew up on Father's yep. Day. Did very well for HBO. Duh, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like come on, man. It, it's like, put a little bit of, uh, you know, salsong. You know, a little bit of uh, salsa, a little bit of uh, color uh, in the world out there. Yeah. You know, it's that that's that's my my spiel. It's like give us, and what I mean by us is just diverse voices yep. an opportunity to see if there's like a return of investment because it comes down to money. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, the content is very important, but is an executive more willing to produce a Latino romantic comedy after the success of The Father of the Bride? I would hope so. Hope so. Right? Yeah. And, and that's what, what's important to me is that we just have, we have a chair at the table. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, here's yeah. the table's chairs. And, and I mind you, I mean, for me, it's a little different because, uh, you know, even though I'm Cubanito, from Hialeah, and for those of you in the West Coast, Hialeah is the uh, <laughs> East LA of, of Miami, you know? Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, okay, 
I am white, you know, but I'd like to tell these Latino stories um, and like the opportunity to be able to not only tell those stories, but also produce other stories. Like, for example, Rally Caps, yeah, there's a color in in the movie. And what I mean is, you know, our cast is the rainbow, right? Right, All colors. But it also deals with um, children that deal with um, ear implants, you know, hearing implants and, and what they go through. Uh, and it, it, so it is a little bit on the handicap, the diversity. Don't want to use handicap, but more of like diversity and the challenges right. that uh, we have as an individual. Because, right. hey, look, we all have some sort of challenge right. one way or another. You know, we all face that. Uh, but that's what I hope that my company and myself, we had an opportunity to produce those projects and the gatekeepers are still there. The big companies are, you're not going to get inside. Very difficult. You know, it's like, um, I still have issues, you know, trying to get a hold of somebody. There's still hoops to jump through. There's still hoops to jump through until you get to a little higher level, Yep. uh, especially the bigger the agency the bigger the executive, the, you know, the higher you're trying to climb up, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, But you can't think about that. You just have to focus on, on getting the yes. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I see new content come across my table all the time, which is cool. I just was looking at a young man who sent me a, short film um, about black um, uh, graphic designers, which I thought was fantastic. Just telling the story of the difficulties and all the, you know, within the industry for them, from a documentary standpoint, it was very good. Um, I just like, you know, I just hope to your point, I hope there's, you know, like you said, there's a seat where we have seats at the table now. Hopefully no one comes along and pulls a seat from underneath us at some point and goes, well, back to normal, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, um, look, I'm sure you're tired. I'm, t- I'm tired yeah. of, the, of the Cuban drug dealer. I'm tired of the African-American uh, chauffeur, yeah. uh, of the Mexican, uh, you know, landscaper. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, there were so much more than that. Come on, man. You yeah. know, and, and again, I'm not blaming uh, Hollywood, whatever Hollywood, whatever that means, blaming Hollywood. Um, it is getting better. Yes, it is. Absolutely. There's a lot more of diversity and stories out there. Some of it is going to succeed. Some of it is going to fail. Uh, the thing is to be given the opportunity to right. to go out there and and try to try to tell those stories. It's just just important. Um, I, I was also seeing here. And I would love to hear what this is all about. Huh? That your screenplay um, was selected for U.S. Hispanic Showcase by Filmmaker Hub. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so you see, I'm I'm out there hustling and networking <laughs> just like everybody else. Eh? It's so so I wrote this script online with love, and hmm. um, you know it was at Lionsgate. They were looking at it. I had an executive there, and she was like, "Oh my god, I love your script." 
And then, sure enough, pandemic happens. I get the phone call. Oh, is this the same? This is the pro- that yeah, project? Oh. Yeah. So, so she calls me up. She goes, yeah, I just want to let you know, uh, you know, everything's going on here and stuff. We're not going to make an option for your project, but please keep in touch. Let me know what's going on with this. So it's kind of like um, it got through the front door. It was read. An executive liked it. It went to the other guys or ladies or whoever, and mm. then it was kind of like it was during the pandemic, and they were like, eh, we're not going to move forward on this. So, but th- is that going to stop me? No. No. Netflix, uh, you know, again, I sent it to them. They're like, oh, we really like the script. I'm like, yeah, you don't like the script enough to pay for the production. <laughs> so, so their response was, we love the script but we'll look at it as a licensing deal. So oh. what, what that means is go shoot it, show right. it to us. And if we like it, we'll you know, we're going to do that. And that's fine. Hey, look, I respect that. They're getting pitched by everybody. Yeah, everybody. Right? Yeah. You got to remember I'm competing against everyone. You're, yeah. uh, you're a filmmaker out there. You're writing a script. You're, you're competing right. for a buyer with everyone else. So what happened was there was a competition, Film Market Hub. It's really it's based in Europe, and they were looking for U.S. Latino projects that were looking for financing and production. Hey, I paid a small little fee. I sent the project, and it was selected. So nice. it was one of, I think, seven. I think we were like seven features. Wow. And basically, it was an entire day of pitching i pitched to seven different uh, studios and productions uh production companies and financiers and now now i'm in that i pitched it sent mm. the script sent the deck and now we're waiting to see if someone is willing to move the project forward uh, what it is it's like you have something you really want to make something that you love Right. You you got to keep working on that project however you can. That means rewriting the script, taking notes from executives. You know, an executive says, hey, you know, this will be better. If this, 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 you know, those are notes. It's just very right. common. Right. But you got to keep marketing. You got to keep saying, hey, I, I, you know, yeah. it's like HBO, take a look at this. Hey, uh, Paramount, take a look at this, you right. know. Or independent financiers, you know, say um, an asset management company mm. or or a producer uh, is like, hey, I'm looking for a Latino romantic comedy. That that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, but that's what happened to the script. It won, and what did it win? It basically won me the opportunity to pitch uh, through. Well, you know, we're in the days of Zoom, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not. It's not. You don't need anymore to fly to L.A and pitch an executive. And it was basically pitching uh, my script and my story. Um, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have faith. I think I have faith that, 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 well, here's the thing that also, you also got a, you got validation that, that, that people, you know, like the project. And to me, like that, that is fuel for the fire, you know, I'm like for you to keep moving with it because you know, you can't let something that good just sit there and to your point, like, you know, just be like, and I think for a lot of um, filmmakers, the one thing you'll learn, once you wrote it, you're not done yet. It's not over yet. No matter how many festivals you've submitted it to and people, it's not done yet. You you still have work to do with it. And maybe 
it may be rewrite, rewrite, rewrites, or it might be getting second opinions or third opinions or 10th opinions, but there's always going to be more work to be done until it's done. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, my script is on draft number seven, right? Uh, but what a lot of writers don't understand is that uh, absolutely write your scripts. You should have more than one script. Yep. Okay, don't just walk around with one script. I've got one, I'm done. I'm done, right. It, because what happens is you're going to try to find a buyer for one script. Isn't it a lot easier if you had maybe five or six scripts and different genres if you want to be a writer, right? Yep. But here's the most important thing is you have to market and brand that product. Now, I'm not saying you're going to post your script. I'm not saying post it publicly or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is you have to network. You have to get people to read your scripts, executives, producers. Yep. Hey, if you have access to, again, remember, actors equal financing. Yep. You know, um, Send your script out to different people. Pitch different people. I mean, another example is the Maids of Havana. Right now, we're in development. Uh, mm. The director and I are reading over the book. Uh, we're putting together a detailed treatment, and then we'll hire a writer to, to write the feature film script. But I went ahead and I was like, you know what? I like this actress, that actress. I won't mention names, but I called up their manager. Mm. And I was like, hey, I, I have a project. We're in development. I just purchased the rights to this book. Do you think that your client would be interested in this? Just as a talk, I send them a deck, you know, and a pitch deck is very important today. Something visual, yeah. right? Yeah. Send them a deck. Sure enough, I get a call like a week later and said, she will do this movie. Wow. She, it's like, she's, when is the script going to be ready? Now, all of a sudden, I go to the team and go, guess what? This actress, she'd like to do this movie. So all of a sudden... There, you see what I'm saying? You're creating a little bit of synergy on, on a project Given the as, energy. It, as, it, as it's in, in development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing more exciting than when you find, like, find out this person or that person wants to do your film. I mean, you can't, that can't give you any more reason to work hard. Like, you shouldn't have a reason, need a reason to work hard, but that should give you even more so because it's like that much step closer to your reality of getting it done. So, um, wow. You know what? Um, people like, like yourself are an incredible value to the industry because you're you, the way of the way you approach what you're doing, the kind of projects you're trying to put out there in the world. Um, very, I, I mean, hold on, let me interject. Uh oh, I, I, I still got to pay my rent. So, <laughs> I, I, hey, okay. you, you know, I, we all got to pay rent. We all got to pay rent, right? So, I've done the, the horror movies and the low budget features. You know, hey. uh, I wish that I was at the point of my career where I can say no to certain things, right? You know, but. I just want to say that real quick. It's like sometimes you want to pay the rent. He's like, the reality is I still have to pay rent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's well, like, I would that, love to be able to pick and choose, but not yet. Not unless I have some, uh, you know, I mm -hmm. find that that slave financing 
that I'm looking for right now. We're putting together a slave finance deal. Right. Uh, once that comes through and I find find that equity investment, and then I'll be able to say, ah, no, I don't need to. I can be a little bit more picky because mm. I've done a couple of movies that I was like, mm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, well, you got to pay the rent or the mortgage, the car, feed the kids. That's right. The reality is that nowhere is, no, especially with the gas, gas going up, Woo. nowhere, nowhere is cheap anymore. So, you know, you got to still do what you got to still got to do what you got to do to pay the bill so you can do what you want to do. Absolutely. So. Um, and, and hey, if George Clooney does that, think about it. He'll do a big movie, right? Like that, he can produce his indies. So he makes these deals, you know, uh, with the studios, and they're like, "Okay, I'll, I'll do this, this, and but you'll finance that." Absolutely, you know. I mean, look what uh, Brad Pitt's doing with yeah. Plan B. Yeah, uh, dude, Plan B. I mean, it's uh, it's all. He's really, as an executive producer, really giving opportunities to filmmakers. Mm -hmm. uh, that want to have that voice. Um, so that's, that's a, a definitely a big, big plus when you have these type of famous actors, uh, famous executive producers, producers who are giving opportunities to up and coming filmmakers. Yeah, that's, that's, um, hopefully more actors and more personalities in Hollywood will, will, will take on that because, there are we do have a dearth of talented creators right now because of the fact that the cell phones exist and the cameras are cheaper and production is cheaper and all these things. So there's a lot more talent. But to your point, you know, you're all as much talent there is, there's that much more competition. And um, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, remember, uh, you're the director, you're, you're writing a script, you're directing music videos, commercials, features. You are competing yep. against everyone else because, yeah, I mean, and yourself too. And, and you're, yeah, you're competing against yourself, but don't be so hard on yourself, right? Because, you know, when you're pitching um, a studio or you're pitching a, a network or a streamer, you are competing against all these very experienced, mm -hmm. you know, uh, showrunners and executive producers uh so remember that it's not not it's a challenge yeah. uh, it is um because a lot of folks are like come on man just yes yes you know give me the money give me the money and go <laughs> shoot this it's like when you get that yes you got to be like wow i got a yes yeah because you just beat out you know xy projects who were in line to get financing you know. I always, always I wish there was a way of, there was a transparent way of knowing the competition, right? Like, because I think there's a value to that in a lot of ways after, like after the fact of you going, oh, I got the deal. Who did I beat out? Oh, wow. I beat this. Oh, I beat, oh. Right. Oh, oh. oh. But also remember that is also communicating with your buyer. And, and I'll, mm. I'll give you a perfect example. I called up, uh, you know, my contact at Netflix. And I was like, hey, I'm working on, on these type of projects. Their first thing was, we're not looking for any romantic comedies right now. Now, be aware, don't take this. Who knows when this podcast is going to run and they might be looking for a romantic <laughs> comedy. Right, exactly. But I'm just saying that in 
what was it? It was like two months ago. Right. Uh, you know, I shot a little email to them and, and I sent them a list, like, here's what I, I have going on. And they're like, well, we're not looking for romantic comedies. We have quite a few of them. Uh, send me uh, this thriller really looks really interesting. So remember that you're looking for a buyer for your specific project. So if if a streamer or a producer is not looking for a rom-com, don't pitch them a rom-com. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. that's part of the marketing and network. It's like finding that buyer for what you're trying to sell. Yeah. And doing a little research ahead of time to kind of know your market, know who, know what people are, you know, what's, and not, not just now, because you don't like to your point, you don't know when they're going to get that project in their hands. So you kind of almost have to look forward, think too a little bit to kind of say in six months, there are a bunch of these projects coming down the road, you know, so maybe I should, throw my head in the, in the, in the fire now, because at that point they may be looking for something like mine. So yeah, it's hard to read about who, or let's say it this way. It's very difficult to know where the market's going to go. Yeah. Like yeah. what's going to be the hot thing. Uh, for example, Western, it's always like, Oh, the Westerns are difficult to sell. Well, all of a sudden yeah. you have a prequel for Yellowstone, right? Yeah, um, and it's a big success, as I understand. So that being said, my philosophy is um, have a little bit of like a four or five, six projects, right. right? And keep working those, and you never know which one's going to come up and which yeah. one's going to be like, oh, this is what we'd like to do. Because yeah. it's it's very difficult to to read the future of what is yeah. going to be popular. And here's a perfect example. Cobra Kai was turned down by Netflix and it ended up on YouTube Red, right? Right. Where is Cobra Kai now? <laughs> yeah, Netflix, exactly. right? So th that's a perfect example. Uh, another example, like the shift. Mm. When I was shopping the shift, I, you know, I showed it to a distributor and they're like, ah, it's a, it's a nice film, but not for us. I kid you not. Three, four months later, uh, one of their executives watched it at a festival. They're mm. like, is this film available? They called me up. It's like, yeah. And we ended up selling it to that distributor. Wow. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, you never Some know. of it's luck. Some of it is research. Absolutely. You know, yeah. But to your point, do a bunch of stuff and because, and then throw it against the wall because you never know which is going to stick. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you, you should write, are you going to write a book? You should write a book, man. Cause I mean, you know, a book. <laughs> I, I have, I already have a novel that I've been sitting on called lost in time. Mm. Again, let's go back. I had a script. I wrote it with a buddy of mine named James Shepard. We wrote this script called lost in time. It's a fantasy adventure. I shopped it around town. And I kept getting the same answer from all the executives. This is very expensive. You need to write a book first. So if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to finish the Lost in Time book first. Before I write about the film industry, you know, absolutely. Well, either one I think would be really valuable to have because I'm a big fan of sci-fi. So, you know, 
Um, this was this was great, man. I I so enjoyed talking to you because because you have a world of knowledge. You're you're doing such great work right now. And what's um, I know that um, you have some stuff that's on Amazon Prime right now um that people should but i think everyone who wants to find out what you're up to right now can go to playworld pictures yeah yeah you can go to playworldpictures.com uh that will show pretty much all the uh projects that i've worked on uh right now we have a movie called um that's called samland uh yeah yeah, samland it's a english spanish uh film about um uh, an illegal immigrant and his relationship with a young woman who's battling a drug addiction uh, and has lost her the the right to custody to her child. And uh, that's on all formats. So that's like on Apple TV, Amazon, uh, Google, Voodoo, uh, Tubi, all, all of them. All of them, right? huh? All of them, yeah, yeah. It's all on network, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was and, watching it a little bit today. Yeah. Uh, it was It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. And that that one actually um, we did really well. That one ended. That that movie went to the uh, New York Latino Film Festival oh. in uh, 2021, uh, which is sponsored by HBO, uh, HBO and Warner Media. Um, uh-huh. And that one's out right now. We just actually showed uh, sold that movie to South Korea, oh. uh, and it's out in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, Rally Caps is is my next feature. But you can also see Obsession, which is with Mackay Pfeiffer and Brad Dourif. Uh, that movie's out uh, somewhere out there if you Google it. Uh, another movie is um, The Shift. Uh, that one's out there. I think you can actually watch that movie for free now on YouTube, uh, hmm. which is with Danny Glover and Casey Fitzgerald, Leo Leva. Uh, and there's a bunch of other films that I've worked on that are, yeah, you can watch them out there. I recommend seeing definitely seeing Samling because it's pretty good. And um and you you know, I, I like those type of stories like very um I, you know, I'm doing um I'm I'm helping a friend of mine with his film right now, which is like a noir like a noir film that's running the festival. Actually you were at um you had a good friend of mine's uh, film festival, First Glance. First Glance, yeah. 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 Yeah, we were there also. Mm-hmm. That same land was in that one. Yeah. Great festival. Shout outs to my boy there. Um, um, well, this was great, man. You, you know, the next when you when you're if you ever in New York, definitely hit me up. Okay, um, I will. And if the next time you have anything that's coming out, you are more than welcome to come back here on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Next time I'm in New York. I'm always in, uh, you know, Washington Heights. I'll, I'll invite you to the uh, the Havana, the Havana Heights. That's a great Cuban restaurant that Ooh. I go to all the time because uh, my wife's family's from there. But absolutely, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. 